Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Peak Performance, four locally owned stores in Omaha, the only locally owned running store for 30 years. Stop your guessing, go to the experts at Peak Performance, and be sure to mention Chasing Three Hours for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Today's interview is with Martinez Evans, author of the book Slow AF Run Club, the ultimate guide for anyone who wants to run. We talked about why he decided to write this book, his running journey over the last decade plus, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Martinez Evans. Martinez Evans, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast today. I begin every conversation by asking the guest how their most recent run went. When was the last time you got out? How did it go? All right, my last run was a fun run um, on Sunday, actually. So I did a fun run at, uh, what's the place? Gazelle Sports in Birmingham, Michigan. It was a part of my um, one of my book tour stops. So, you know, it was cool. It was awesome. A little bit under three miles. There you go. Take That's perfect. I, uh, I, lo- I love the book. I, I, I picked it up at a local shop, uh, at a local bookstore. I ripped right through it. Uh, as someone who's been running since high school, it felt like there was so much in it that the title is Slow AF Run Club, the ultimate guide for anyone who wants to run. Uh, like I said, I've been running for almost 20 years and I'm reading this thing and I'm like, I wish that along the way I would have been told a lot of these things. You mentioned things like sexy pace, which is essentially running slow, not having to push right. everything as hard. You talk about, you know, putting some stuff on your kibbles and bits, if you will, to make sure that you're, <laughs> oh, you're okay. When, when you sat down to write this, how much of it was just for someone who has never gotten into running, who maybe had gotten into running, but didn't really understand it just to kind of help them along? Because again, as someone who had been running for a long time, I'm like, where was this for me even a few years ago? Um, a lot of it was for that. So the experience, the inspiration for it was um, we, we got a lot of new members inside the Slow F Run Club. Um, so it's actual real club, right? We have a community of like 20,000 members worldwide. And um, people were asking a lot of questions during the pandemic. How do I run? How do I start running? Do I run for speed or distance first? Oh, I went for a run and I feel horrible. And it's like, did you eat? And it's like, no. So it was just a lot of these questions that uh, came about. And thinking about my experience when I started running uh, about 11 years ago, like I had these same questions. So it, it just, I just felt like there wasn't a book out there that really talked about the hidden curriculum of running. And it's pretty much what it is. It's literally the hidden curriculum. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I picked up other running books along the way. Uh, and what I liked about this one so much was the barrier for entry was essentially non-existent, right? Um, right. I, I, I've qualified for Boston, but I've even, I picked up a book and it's like, okay, so if you're doing this marathon pace workout and you're running five thirties, I'm like five thirties, you know, what are we talking <laughs> about here? And so I liked that, that reading this book, there was never that, you know, reading it of like, oh, this is way too daunting for me. And so I have to imagine that that had to be really enjoyable. I have to imagine other readers had kind of those same thoughts that I did of like, okay, that I, I can read this and not feel like everything's coming down on me so hard. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing is that most, most running books out there are like how-to manuals are from elite athletes or coaches of elite athletes. So like 
Yes, their their frame of thought is from like elite athlete point of view. And one of the things that um that I tell people is that they don't expect us to be running. They don't expect us to be actually doing these marathons. So like they have not written anything about this for us. So yes, that's why you feel this way about this uh this sport when you read these books and it's like, oh, like you want me to run what? <laughs> I would even just say, like, couch to 5K. So you think about couch to 5K, like, you get to week one, not week one, but, like, week eight, day three of couch to 5K, and it's like, run for 30 minutes straight. Congratulations, you've ran your first 5K. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing the math and being like, who's running this fast? Like, I thought this was a beginner's training plan. And you expect me to run a 5K in th- under 30 minutes? So your running journey, let's, let's go back. Um, you kind of begin the book with it, right? A trip to the doctor's mm-hmm. office in 2012. Um, but I guess let's go before that first. What, what type of athlete were you growing up? Was running something in the picture? What, what kind of sports were you playing? Um, so my athletic journey is all the three years. My, soft, no, my junior year in uh, high school, my senior year in high school, and my freshman year in college. Like that was it far as like my athletic days, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or just playing anything far as like team sports or organized sports. Other than that, like it was all street stuff. So like playing basketball, I was playing basketball in the street, some, you know, in the hood somewhere or playing basketball in somebody's backyard because they had a hoop. It was playing football. It was playing football off on people's lawn, right? Growing up. So it wasn't nothing, nothing necessarily organized. And running was definitely not a part of my lexicon, especially long distance running, right? Like I have friends who ran track, but like long distance running, cross country, that wasn't even into my lexicon until I got into my late 20s. So what happened in 2012? So 2012, I was working a commission sales job. I was on my feet about 10 hours a day and I developed some hip pain. So I went to go see this doctor and... um. You know, I'm I'm sitting in the doctor's office and I'm telling him about this hip pain. Like, hey, doc, like my hip hurt. You know, I'm at this job where I'm on my feet about 10 hours a day. Uh, Like, help. And he's like, oh, I know why you're in pain. I was like, great. Tell me more. And he was like, it's because you're fat. (laughs) And and then he went on to say, you need to lose weight or die. And it's like, like, where (laughs) where did that come from? Right. So he goes on and tell me, like, you know, you got the stomach as a pregnant woman. You need to start walking on a track to lose weight. And that this part didn't make it to the book, but I'm like, for me, I was like, that that don't make sense because I just told you I'm on my feet 10 hours a day. Like, literally, my job consists of me being on my feet. I was a commission sales worker and, like, at a, a store, like, there's no sitting down. Like, there's no sitting at a desk. Like, I'm on my feet for 10 hours a day. And for him to be like, nope, you need to start walking on the track, so on and so forth. I just got so frustrated. I was like, well, I'm going to run a marathon. He laughed at me and told me ADUP's the dumbest thing he heard in all his years of practice in medicine. But he also went on to say, like, if I attempted to run a marathon, I'll die on the course. So I'm just sitting here. Um, I'm just sitting here and it just stuck. So you tell me I need to lose weight or die. And then I tell you I'm going to run a marathon. And you like, that's dumb. You're going to die anyway. So it's like, what, what do you want from me? <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? Like, what? Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do? And um, I just remember just storming out the doctor's office because, you know, I wanted to hit him. But, you know, that's not <laughs> going to be accepted. Um, 
and I bought some running shoes that day and I've been running ever since. How often do you think about that doctor? Now, not, not, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think for a lot of people, like for individuals to understand, like, this is my origin story and they're reading a the book. Like I think about it now, but like before then, like he, he's not a part of my lexicon. He's, he's not something I, I don't think about. He's a non-factor to me. So, you know, I mentioned earlier the, 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 I love the, the way that this book is written and that it can, I think, help out someone who has run a lot or even has never run before. What piece of advice that you have in the book do you wish that you would have had back in 2012 as you began your running journey? Um, I wish I would have learned about body glide a lot sooner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say that that is the piece that I wish I would have learned sooner. Like I had taco meat thighs, man. My thighs were rubbing so much. They were so raw. That it just looked like cooked taco meat, man. So I would love if I would knew about body glide a lot sooner or about like just people chafing yep. and like all the solutions that comes that comes forward. Yeah. I, I still remember like that there's the part in the book where you mentioned getting in the shower. And I thought back to after one of my races where I, I, I wasn't using body glide, I was using something else. It did not take very well. And I mm-hmm. still remember that pain as I turn on the water and I'm like, this is going to be horrible. And it was yeah. even worse than I imagined. And it was like that for three or four more days. And uh, yes. that's, it's a great piece of advice. If, you, if you're just starting to run, body glide is absolutely the way to body go. Body glide is the jam. Um, I would say that's the first thing. And then I would say the second thing is like getting a good pair of shoes, right? Um, what I like to tell people is that shoes may not like make you the fastest runner in the world. Um, a, a good shoe may not make you the fastest runner in the world, but a bad shoe would definitely ruin your experience in running. Yeah, 100%. Uh, at the start of Chapter 4, you, you begin telling a story about you're running in a, in a 10K, and someone yells, hey, good job, big man. And you mentioned that you weren't phased by it. But obviously, I mean, I'm reading this like that is an incredibly patronizing comment. Um, mm-hmm. That said, you also embrace being a non-traditional runner. What has the balance been like for you over the last decade in those types of comments, trying to embrace it, but also again, like don't be an asshole and, and maybe say that to me on the course. Um, it's still a journey because like everybody don't know who I am. So like, I still get these comments from here and uh, from, uh, from, from time to time, because like everybody don't know my story and everybody don't know my journey. Right. So like, I still get those comments. I think that um, going on, like it's just more of like a mindset shift. Um, I, I think, me learning that we are all just participating by rules from groups of people who, like, who made this stuff up and we probably would never know or meet them. Um, and we're just abiding by these rules. And like at a certain point, I was like, well, well, screw that. I don't want to abide by these nobody else's rules. I would rather make my own rules and go along the way. And I think that has worked out for me. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has. The, the The other thing that, that stood out to me kind of in that same section of the book, the next chapter, you talked about like the social media rise and grind, and as you described it, the BS got mm-hmm. you thinking that you need to jump into the deep end head first. And then you wrote, nah, patience is key. Um, I, I found that incredibly enlightening. Again, something that I wish that I would have read a few years ago, the importance of recovery, the import, importance of patience in those early days. Um, I know that, again, I would have really appreciated that and a lot of r- other runners, I imagine, do too. What is What has that been like for you as someone who, for lack of a better term, you have kind of turned into an influencer, right? But I know everyone wants that quick fix in running and trying to get to whatever their point B is. Um, that That's an interesting thing, man, because like more or less now is trying to put the medicine inside the sugar pill. Um, so what I mean by that is that even this book, 
people were a lot of people thought that this was going to be like a memoir, like a full on memoir about my journey. And they they pick it up and it's like, wait, like this dude is teaching me how to run. Like, where did this come from? Right. Um, and I think for a lot of people, we are definitely in this microwave social media phase where like everything kind of comes quickly or just even like how I think about like TikTok, how people get millions of views and so on and so forth for like or grow their followers millions at a time. But that's not necessarily the case. Like that's the exception, not the rule. And I think for a lot of people really trying to understand that, like most of us are not the exception. <laughs> I would say 99% of us are, are the rule. So if we are the rule, like it, we're going to have to go through the heartaches and the things that it takes to, to get better. But the journey is more fulfilling if you can really just see it as a journey and understand that like, I'm going to get there and I'm going to get there whenever I get there. And that's okay. When, when you sat down, you, you just mentioned memoir versus kind of a how-to. Was there a balance that you wanted to have or, or did that just come about organically? Because I, I liked how it kind of, the book kind of unfolded because it was in a way a little unexpected for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, it was something that I wanted. Right. So I look at all of the running books that are out there and I read a lot of them. And like you either have like a memoir or like a straight how-to and the straight how-tos to me are dry. Like I haven't read a how-to running book that I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go back to this and like continue to look look at it. Like I read it once, I got the information and I put it down. And I remember being like, you know, I want something that people come back to, people dog ear, people yeah. uh, or just come back to it and like always using it. That's one of the reasons why we decided to do like a soft cover or a paperback versus a hardcover because I think about the psychology of people who who have a hardcover book. Like they kind of baby it, right? Like I think about this hardcover book. I think about this hardcover book that's like I have going on that somebody gave to me, right? Shout out to uh, Alisa Ages. And it's like, it's a hardcover book. So you like baby it. You yes. try to keep pristine and so on and so forth because like it's a hardcover book and you don't want to mess it up. Versus like a paperback, you, you bend it up, you fold it, you... You throw it in your bag, yeah, you, yeah. you fold it up and you put it in your pocket. And like, that's the type of book that I really wanted. And those are some of the decisions that we had to make while making this book or just even thinking about it. So it took a lot of thought and forethought to go in there of like, what what type of experience do I want uh, for these people who get this book? Like, do I want them to like put this book on a pedestal or like, do I actually want them to like use it and get a lot of information out of it? and you know, I, I I chose the second one. I want people to like really use this thing and like beat up this book. Like when people get it and it makes me, it makes me happy when I'm like um, out doing these book signings or like at some of these speaking engagements and people giving their book and it's like highlighted yes. dog eared and like really like worn. And I'm like, this book has only been out for like three months. And I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted. Yeah, right. It's like one thing if, if a few years down the road, you're at a used bookstore and you stumble upon it and it's found in that shape, dog ears highlighted, but that it's that way three months in. I mean, that right. what, what is that like for you to, I have to imagine many people have told you that you're an inspiration to them. I mean, what is that? What has that been like for you? Um, It's great, man. Like it, it's one of those things where like my journey is not necessarily for me it's for the people. Yeah. And like, that's kind of how I see my life is just being like a servant leader, right? Like I want to be able to like give give to everybody like i want people to experience not only the the tough times and the hard times but also the great times i've had in the sport of running and like i i think that just shows on how i present myself and um 
how people are starting to recept it. Speaking of the tough times, you mentioned in one of the chapters uh, about getting injured and and a, a run streak uh, at the end of 2014. You were vulnerable, you know, in this book and in, in talking about some of the setbacks that you dealt with, though it se- you know seemingly always re- rebounding really well. Uh, how, was that difficult for you to to maybe open up in that way, or was that something that going in you were like, obviously that this is going to be a part of my story? Um, I wouldn't say it was difficult because it's a part of the journey. And I think like, it's just certain things that like people don't talk much about. Like, yeah, we talk about nutrition and like super shoes and how to run fast and like shaving seconds off your time. But we never talk about like the rough time. Yeah. And for most of us, like that goes back to like being the rule or the exception. And the rule is most of us get injured. Like most of us are going to go through these tough times and um, experience this hardship. So I wanted to be able to just give people that and let them know like, Hey, yeah, I've been injured as well. And like, this is how I bounce back and you may get injured as well. And you're able to bounce back as well. So I I think that we, we give a lot of advice of like what happens during the easy times of running. We rarely give any advice or just in general, like during the tough times. And it's truthfully the tough times where people need it the most. Back to Martinez Evans in a moment, but first a word for my friends at Peak Performance, four locally owned stores, Omaha's only locally owned running store for 30 years. Stop your guessing and go to an expert. It's been about a handful of years for me since I stopped by Peak Performance on 78th and Cass with the plan to get an insert. I had been dealing with some injuries. I wanted an insert. They said, Josh, let's go through our process. We have a five-step gait analysis process. Figure out your arch type, figure out your lower leg alignment, figure out what shoes will work best for you. Whatever your arch type, there is a shoe type for it. That has been a game changer for me and has allowed me to take my running to the next level. Stop by any of their four locally owned stores here in Omaha and mention Chasing 3 Hours for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Again, Chasing 3 Hours. Mention that at one of the four locally owned Peak Performance stores and you get $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Price. Back to Martinez Evans. Along those lines, I wanted to ask you about community um, because it's something that's come up in your, this will be 17, episode 17. It's come up in essentially every single episode that I've done. And I'll be honest in that, like a lot of my guests are kind of those that are chasing after the BQ have already gotten it. Some have even qualified for the trials. And like, so I'll ask them about community. And I feel like that's kind of like an easy story to tell, right? I think in a lot of big cities around the country, you're going to be able to find runners who are chasing after Boston or chasing after the trials. I liked that you, in this book, you were very open about like, hey, there, there's community beyond, uh, I mean, to be honest, people that just look like me, you know, a white right. guy in my mid-30s. It's easy for me to find community. You, you've had you had really good stories about community. You had some really shitty stories yeah. uh, I- about community as well. What, what, when you hear that word, I imagine there's a lot of things that come up. What, what's the first thing that comes up for you? Uh, it's usually an eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm be honest, it's usually an eye roll. Um, it's typically an eye roll because it's like, when it comes to like community, right? Even the phrase, all paces are welcome. What that really means in most cases, when you talk about the rule versus the exception, the rule is, is that all paces are welcome up to a 10-minute mile. And if you run slower than a 10-minute mile, try to keep up. 
but we're not for you because you're going to get left. And I think that for a lot of people, people who, who look like me, like that, that is our rule. Like, so when you hear all paces of walking, I'm rolling my eyes because like, nope, that's not for me and I'm not going to attempt to. Um, and I think that, those are some of the things that people um, have to realize, but they also try to, if they really want to be about inclusion, they need to figure out how they're going to fix it on their end. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing. And then also think about like, <clears throat> talking about rules, right? Like chasing Boston qualifier, like it's cool. Like I, I'm grateful for it. Like, Go for the challenge, but like, does it really mean anything? Like, does it really mean anything when you're still slower than the elite athletes who are in wave one? Like, like, what does it really mean? I don't know, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just meant like you, you, you made it, or you ran fast enough to to participate in a race at an arbitrary number. Cool. Um, but I also like let people know like that doesn't make you morally superior to anybody either. Like hundred percent, it, it just meant you ran faster than somebody. Like golf clap for you, <laughs> like kudos. But like, but what does it mean when like you qualify to run this race? But that doesn't mean you're elite athlete because you're not in wave one competing with Des Linden or Elliot or anything else. So like, what does it mean? I don't have the answer for that. Yeah, I, I found the discussion surrounding Boston, I think, has been really interesting the last few years. My dad ran it um, as someone who did it as a fundraiser uh, a few years ago. And and this was kind of before I had really gotten back into running again after college. And come to find out, as as I've gotten into reading things, people don't like folks like my dad running because he didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the stories that came out of the 2023 edition um, with with fans cheering and and a police presence suddenly arriving, and so like I'm I'm wrestling all of these thoughts of you know this should be something that we celebrate running and qualifying and even just getting in as a fundraiser whatever it is, and yet you know we we've talked a big game in this country since 2020 and it always doesn't show itself. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, right? Is that like there are so many ways to get inside of Boston Marathon other than qualifying. And I think a lot of people kind of try to sweep that under the rug. Like, yes, you can do charity. Yes. Like you can have a sponsorship. Yes. You can even pay for it. Like there's this thing called marathon tours, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can pay to get in Boston if you go through marathon tours. Right. And I think a lot of people kind of sweep that under the rug. And it's one of those things of like, I would say it's elitism, like showing up in the sport where they're like, you didn't make the, whatever the number is, like, you don't deserve to be here. And it's like, it's a fucking race. Like, like, <laughs> like calm your horses. Like, it, it, and it goes back to that thing. Like, but you're not an elite athlete. Like you're not competing in wave one. So like all of, all of this don't matter. And I think that's the thing that like for a lot of people, they they fail to realize or they get like so riled up or hyped up about it of like, like we're all participating in a running parade. Like, mm-hmm. like yes, you qualify to to run this race. Like, congratulations. But you're not winning any money. <laughs> like you're you're not in phase one. Like you're getting the same medal as everyone else. And you're not competing. You're not an elite athlete. So it's just one of those things of like, 
it goes back to like the question of like, what does it really mean then? Mm-hmm. Right. Is it just, is it just the thing to like make you feel better about yourself as a runner because you feel shitty about yourself because you're not elite athlete? Like, I don't know. Like, these are just the questions I have in my head. Right. Like, that's like, is this, is this arbitrary thing, something there to like make you feel better about yourself of like, yeah, like I made this and like, there's a percentage of runners who can't just, yeah. Like now I have purpose. Like, Woo, thank God that I was able to run this race so I can so I can run this other race like <laughs> so I can run this other race and get an arbitrary medal. Like um this is one of those things of like well, what does that really mean? Yeah. And I think for most times like people don't have an answer because they go back to like, oh, his legacy is is all these other things. And it's like, yeah, like it's legacy until it's not. Like, but like that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation itself. But it is one of those things of like, what does this mean? Because for a lot of people, it's like it's the jacket, it's the the being a part of it, it's this this allure that goes along with it. To like, yes, like I'm better than another runner, but like you're not better than the elites. So does it really matter? Yeah, you 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 were on a couple months ago with Jonathan Levitt, who's been a guest mm-hmm. on this podcast, and he's he's talked about. Uh, the idea that he didn't feel fulfilled as a runner or he didn't feel like a real runner unless mm-hmm. he broke three hours. And part of that, I think, was certainly him internally. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but there seemed to be an implication anytime he's discussed that, that because of how he was viewed from the outside, that mm-hmm. if I don't break three hours, then the outside is going to view me a specific way. And so you, I think that that goes in concert with what you're talking about with Boston and and what does it mean? I would hope, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, this is incredible. I, I worked really hard for it. I'm I'm happy, but it's I mean, I, I, I hopefully I have many more years in my life, right? Like this is yeah. this is one stop on on a journey that's going to take me in a bunch of different places. So like, that's the thing, right? So like I ran Boston, I got a Boston medal, and like when people see that, it's it's all of these things, it's all of these emotions and feelings that comes along with it. It's like, well, how did you get there? <laughs> did you qualify? Did you finish? Like, what's going on? And it's like I ran Boston. But how? It's like <laughs> I was sponsored by Adidas. That's how. It's like, and then they don't know how to feel about themselves. Like, hmm. So he's good. He's a good enough runner to get sponsored by Adidas, but not good enough to qualify. I don't know how to feel about that because he didn't. Because he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do the charity route. So, like, how do you feel about that? It breaks their um, brain a little bit. It does. Do you like that? Do you like being on the other end of that conversation where you can kind of see the gears turning in their head and they're like, what the hell? Or is it annoying? It's funny. Yeah. Because I I go back to this thing and like my message for like the people in the back of the pack or like the general message that I I try to preach preach to people is that if you're not an elite athlete, like none of the shit matters. Like on, on some real shit. Like if you're not competing for prize money and like world championships none of this stuff matters we're all participating in a a running parade i literally call it like a running parade because like most races like there's no such thing as like a race permit most of these places have to literally go get a parade permit so like we're literally running in a parade that just happened to have elite athletes at the beginning of it we, we talked earlier and th- this whole conversation is kind of, it started with community and you yeah. mentioned the all, all pace is welcome. Mm-hmm. If you're better than this, have you seen that improved 
over the last however many years? Does it is that something that you believe will get better? That like when five, ten years down the road, if someone were to ask you about community, that you wouldn't, you know, think it's like maybe a tired phrase? Um, I would hope so. Um, and I think that's where like my mission comes into place because yeah. you know, I, I hope to be the change that I hate I hope to be the change that I'm frustrated to see. So like everything that I do now it's pretty much solving a problem that I I've had while running. So like slow your front club merch. Like I couldn't find running clothing in most cases over a two XL. Like I'm a three X type of guy. So like finding clothes that are fun and fashionable, I couldn't find. So I made it myself. Right. I think about the book, like there wasn't a running book out there that like that kind of focused and gave like the ins and outs. So then I wrote it. Same thing about Slow F Run Club, the actual community. Like, I got tired of being a part of communities, and they'd be like, oh, all paces are welcome, but I never ran with them because I never feel comfortable. So then I created my own. So I would hope that, A, with the things that I do, more people pop, more people hop on and feel like, okay, they 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 have a model to, to look after. So, yeah, I would hope so in the next five to ten years that that is it. Or, like, if we're not it, then like there are other communities and clubs out there that sure. are also doing it as well. Is there a joy that you have in running that you really hope most to pass off to other runners? Yes, man. Um, I think about this time where I was running the streets of London, like not even running London Marathon. Um, I was in London for like a work trip and one of my coworkers and um, we literally Somebody told me like, hey, like you go to London, a proper pub would have trickle pudding. I have no idea what trickle pudding is, but we spent the time that we wasn't in this conference running around the streets of London looking for trickle pudding. (laughs) And like literally going to pub to pub and be like, excuse me, sir, this is a random question. Do you have trickle pudding? And be like, trickle pudding? No, we don't have trickle pudding. And like we'll laugh and go run to the next pub. And like that was joy. Like, that was the joy we had. Like, we went to the Twinings Tea Shop and, like, got tea and, like, got croissants and just ran the streets. And that was the joy that I really enjoyed with running. Like, but there was no race tied to it. There were no medals. It was just, like, the experience that came along with it. And I, I, I hope that most people, I hope that more people can get to that, um, that experience versus, like, the numbers that are that are on a watch. Did you ever get the pudding? I never got the trickle pudding. <laughs> However, I got something called sticky toffee pudding, and they said it was pretty close to it, but now I have London followers who wants to send me trickle pudding because it's like you have to have it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you've run eight marathons, right? Is that yes. the number? Okay. Um, I, I believe one of them is Detroit, correct? Detroit twice, New York City twice. Berlin, Boston, Big Sur. Um, oh, that's a bucket list. Route 66. I'm missing some. I, I always draw a blank. Yeah, the other one. on the 8th? Uh, yes. I wanted to ask you about Detroit because that is one that I have – I, I want to run it at some point because that one goes into Canada, right? Mm-hmm. What What yeah. is that experience like? Because you have to bring your – your passport with you, right? When you're yes. doing this race, what what is the process like of going from America to Canada and then back again? It's actually not as that. It's not that serious as they make it to be. Okay, because it does um, seem like it would be. 
they they make it seem like every, they're going to be checking your passport at at the border, and they're going to give you a Canada stamp, and that's that's far from the truth. <laughs> um, what happens is that a random group of people uh, get stopped, like oh. that's in is the it, race. Is it random? I don't know. I've never been stopped. One race, I didn't even bring my passport. Don't tell anybody. Um, I didn't even bring my passport because I forgot it. But like they say it's random searches. Um, and it's not the getting over to Canada part, it's the US part. You know how US be really, really be really uh stringent about borders. And it's oh, like yeah. I was just over here, right? Um, but what happens is you do have to have a passport, and when you fill out for the application, if you do do, do if you do decide to participate in the international race, you would have to put down your passport um, number because they are going to do background checks and things of that sort. And like there, there is on the occasion where somebody will get an email that's like you're not welcome into Canada <laughs> 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 because you ain't passed the background check. Um, but that's typically what it is. Um, there are some other logistical hard stuff that goes along with it. Like I would say the passport is like the most of like least of your worries because like there's really like a very small percentage of people who, who get like randomly searched for the passport because you've already put your passport number down. Like they've already researched you and like background checked you. But they, they have to do it because, you know whatever protocol I would say the other hard thing or like the thing that you really have to be mindful of is like um, the hydration packs. So since you are crossing the border um, and you're crossing the border on a bridge, um, no hydration packs are allowed um, crossing the border. So if you're a runner who like likes to run with a hydration pack, you might get your hydration pack taken or like they will stop you because I would say like that's more of a stickler than like not having your passport while running this race and you got a bid boy. Interesting. Like you're more likely to get stopped by border patrol as you're crossing the bridge because you have a, have a, have a hydration backpack on and them telling you to like, you have to relinquish this and like take it off and like all the other hard steps that goes along with that. Um, and of course, like there's people who, who, who typically, who sometimes get away with that. But, like, for the most part, like, that's the exception, not the rule. Um, and, like, that's the thing of, like, all right, like, I was planning on running this race with this hydration pack. Like, now I don't have it. And, like, all of my things were in this. And, like, what do I do with that now? Like, that's a bigger, I would say, like, that's a that's a bigger thing to think about than the whole passport thing. So the lesson is you're okay if you don't bring the passport, but don't bring a hydration pack. Do not bring a hydration <laughs> pack because they will they will take it. I've, I, I've had that. And this is the thing, like. Like I said, it's the rule versus versus the exception. One year, I wore a hydration pack and got through. They didn't say anything. The following year, I wore the same exact hydration pack and I got stopped. So, like, you just never know. But, like, that, those are the things that you have to risk. And I remember being like, ah, fuck. Like, all right, so what am I going to do? Like, thank God I had, like, these long um, compression socks. So, I, like, took all of my fuel because my shorts didn't have any pockets. And I stuffed it in my socks. And so I like ran like parts of the race until I started eating in the race fuel um, with like these big bulges around my legs because like all of the fuel and like salt tabs were in these compression socks. <laughs> what is uh? what's your family? What is your friends? What have they thought about 
what's happened with you and running and, and the entire journey that you've been on over the last decade? Uh, they're quite proud of me, man. Like, you know, I have like this pseudo fame. Like, I, I don't, I'm not like, I'm like a D list, maybe E list, maybe even Z list celebrity. And like, uh, I think that's cool for them because I'm like, oh, look at him. Like he was on TV or like in whatever I'm on, like the news or something. They're quite proud. And like, I feel like they are sharing more, more of my stuff than I am of my own self. <laughs> so they're proud. Um, but, you know, it's quite enjoyable. Like, I just see myself as like, like as a guy who wrote a book. Yeah. And a guy who like just runs and just happens to get like, like some notoriety. Right. But like, there's people who, who constantly do this or who have done this longer than me. And they just don't, they just happen to not put their story out there. Are they surprised at all? Like, you're, this seems like, you know, it would fit your personality perfectly. It, it, this is the first time I've ever talked to you. I read the book, but this seems like this is how you would have been, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say they surprised. Like, my personality is my personality. So, like, like I've always been um, a magnetic individual. Like, the way I tell stories, the way I interact with people, um, like, that always has that always have had like some sense of magnetism to other individuals. So are they surprised? I would say probably not. Um, but I, I would say they, they are enjoying it though. Good, good, good. Uh, I, I mentioned a, or asked a question a little bit earlier about like the joy that you have in running that you want to pass off most to runners. Um, I'm curious, what is your favorite part about running? When it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, in addition to like when it's over, um, I would say what I really love about running is like the process that goes along with running, right? Um, and also the weather, like there's nothing better than running on like a crisp fall morning. Yes. Where like you get out there and it's just like the little brisk in the air where like it raises your your the hairs off the back of your neck and you're like, ooh, yeah, this is gonna be a good one. You stretch it out and you feel a little warm and you just go for the run and like you're breathing, you start to see your breath and like the yeah, your feet is hitting the pavement. Like, like that's what I love about running. Even though it's like I'm kind of romanticizing it, like that's what I love about running. But I also enjoy like, ooh, this is done. Thank you. <laughs> Check that off the box. It is nice. Those those fall mornings when you start a little cold, not too cold, but just a little mm. cold. And then yes. however long into it, you're like, now I'm comfortable. Like those are the best yes. runs by far. Those are. Yeah. By far. Uh, so I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something. It could just be a feeling. Martinez Evans, what are you chasing? Um, I'm chasing greatness in the sport of running. I think I'm, I'm, I'm chasing uh, a change in a sport that not many people have actually seen, but it's something that they've been wanting. So like, that's what I'm changing, like chasing is that I'm chasing something that's not elitism. I'm chasing something that's uh, where everybody feels welcome and feels like a warm hug. Well, the book is titled, as I mentioned earlier, Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. Whether you are someone who's run forever or you're literally just getting into the sport, I cannot recommend it enough. Martinez Evans, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Martinez Evans for joining me on today's episode. 
Thanks to Peak Performance, be sure to stop by one of their four locally owned stores and mention Chasing 3 Hours for $15 off your first pair of shoes at regular price. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me, including my weekly newsletter, as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Boston Marathon. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. 